0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Transformation Life. How are you doing? Yeah. Amen. I don't know what you just said, but amen. It's great to be with you, as Pastor Ken said. My name is Jason Moppin, I'm an evangelist. I've been doing um, motivational speaking. For the past 20 years, speaking in high schools, middle schools, and prisons, and churches, all about mental health, okay? Mental health is needed now more than ever. How many of you guys know that? Before I get started, I want to do something. I I normally um, don't have my whole family with me, but if my family could come up here real quick, that'd be great. Um, Behind, um, I should say beside every good man is a great woman, and I have the greatest woman right here, my wife Jessica Maupin. Come on up. Yes. This is my oldest, Emory. This is Avery. Watch out for her, OK? Um, oh, and this is my son, Phoenix, OK? So I wanted to introduce you to my family, who I love so much. And um, my in-laws, obviously, out here. My, my father-in-law, Rich, and Tammy. Tammy's over here. Um, Appreciate you guys. Great, great, great family. So thank you so much. I know my brother-in-law is here, Garrett and Jen. Love you guys. So um, just, just surrounded by a lot of lovely people. It is great to be here. You know, um, going to different churches, you get to see a lot of different pastors, and and the thing that I've seen is there's a lot of CEO pastors out there, but there's not a lot of shepherds. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of CEO pastors that that would be great working at at a Fortune 500 company, and and they would do great at at managing the, the finances and the businesses. But you can't run a church like you would Verizon Wireless, okay? So I've seen a lot of CEOs, but I haven't seen a lot of shepherds and pastors. And there's a reason why when I got ordained to become a pastor in our district, they give you, I don't know what they do in the, in the Michigan district here, but in the Wisconsin-Northern Michigan district, they give us a very large staff. It's a shepherd staff. It's a big old hook. Okay, and that staff is representing that you are a shepherd. And that shepherd's job, when that sheep would go astray, that shepherd would grab it by its neck and pull it in, right? That shepherd would use it to herd the sheep. And every now and then, that shepherd would take, this is my favorite part of all, he would take that staff and he would bonk that sheep on the head, right? And be like, stop doing that. That's going to get you killed, Get over here with the rest of the sheep, right? There's not a whole lot of shepherds in our churches, but I'm here today to tell you that you have a shepherd at your church, okay? You have a shepherd. And I can see, I've been doing this for long enough, that he cares about people. He cares about people. I just, um, you guys are multiplying like rabbits, by the way. I, I mean... Seriously, last time I was here, you guys had half this, I think, and it's just growing and growing. So you're doing something, you guys are doing something right. I was just in Israel a couple weeks ago, and my mother-in-law, she told me, she said, listen, the only thing I want for you to bring me back is anointing oil. So I said, okay, great. She wanted five bottles, and I got all this anointing oil, and I'm hold- we are in Bethlehem at the time, and I'm holding this anointing oil, and I'm the next one up in line. And as I'm getting ready to pay for this anointing oil, I look down, and the anointing oil, it says fertility oil. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you really want to grow your church, okay? So I saw all these little kids around, and I was like, maybe I accidentally brought one back. I don't know that... But no, I I, may, I I I noticed it, and I went back and got the anointing oil. Thank God. Should I should have brought them both. Yeah, just just start. Just, yeah, <laughs> man, your church should be booming. There's babies everywhere. But um, man, you guys you guys do have a shepherd. You guys have a shepherd and. And I'm thankful for you, Pastor Ken, and and um, and all you do. A um, little bit more about what I uh, have been doing for the past 20 years. I have some brochures. I'll leave these brochures up here for you guys. And you can grab them if you want. Um, but all this brochure, there's no Christianese in here, because when I go into schools, I can't talk about my faith, un- unfortunately, um, but I'm able to usually have a family night or a an evening rally where I'm able to share my faith and and talk about Jesus, okay? But during school hours, I go in, I talk about mental health, okay? Because mental health matters. And that's all it talks about in this brochure. Mental health matters, talks about my story, talks about how I can customize my assembly to meet the specific needs of the schools, how we talk about choices, dreams, achievement, drugs, self-image, pain, bullying. We do virtual assemblies, um, all the different places I've spoke, 44 different states, eight different countries. God be the glory for that. But I'll leave that for you guys. If you know, if you're on the school board, if you are a superintendent, if you are a coach, you are a principal, trust me, your students need an assembly program right now, okay? Kids right now are, are hurting, especially after COVID. When you isolate people and you take away their purpose, and then you put a mask on them and take away their identity, believe it or not, this is the same type of treatment that our POWs went through in concentration camps. Did you know that? You take away someone's identity, they're not recognized by their name, or they mask them up, they isolate them. These are the same type of treatments that our POWs received in concentration camps. And these kids are dealing with more than you could ever imagine, okay? Today I want to talk to you about identity and purpose. Identity and purpose. God has identity for us. God has purpose. I ask three individuals everywhere I go, I say, what time is your pastor usually done by? Um, because I want to be respectful of people's time. You know, I'm like, what time is your pastor usually done by? Because the pastor usually will tell me, ah, you just go do your thing. Okay, You know, so I asked three individuals, different people, and they all started with a a big sigh. They were like, well. (laughs) (laughs) And so that just told me that I have until 7.30 p.m. tonight. (laughs) So, um. I will be, I, I got, listen, I got my timer up here. I, what I'm going to say to you, I'll say in 40 minutes, and we'll, we'll, we'll be good. You'll still love Jesus after this, okay? All right. Identity and purpose, okay? One more thing before I get ahead of myself. Um, in 2020, we had to really pivot on how the message was going to get out there because everything just shut down. I mean, it was drastic. I remember being in Abbotsford, Wisconsin. I did the school assembly. It felt like zombie apocalypse, because literally everything shut down. They sent the kids home. I go to Ireland every year. I got a call from my friend in Ireland, said they'd shut the schools down there. Um, different people from around, the, literally in March of 2020, that day was the last school I did in, for like a year and a half. And everything was just like, and it, it was crazy. And I'm like, God, how am I going to keep the message out there? So I started a mental health podcast. And we, thankfully, we, due to the different guests I've had on, um, you, you know, you can't, <laughs> COVID can happen, but you can't keep, the, the rocks will cry out. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to silence the message of, of God and what he wants to get out there. So we started this podcast in my in my house with a microphone. Um, had a couple significant interviews where we were able to launch it out there, and we are in thirty-five countries now with this mental health podcast. I didn't even know Estonia was a country until they started listening. I was like, "Oh my gosh, where's Estonia at?" I got to go back and find out where this place is. But it's just called the Elevate Industries podcast. There's over. 25 different episodes to talk about eating disorders, to um, anxiety and fear, Um, PTSD, I interview former Green Beret sniper and Tim uh, Tim Kennedy about his time in Afghanistan, Um, different episodes about uh, counselors talking about cognitive therapy, a lot of good material on there, okay, and it's all free, it's on Google, Spotify. Apple podcast. It's just called the Elevate Industries podcast. If you go to elevateindustries.com, you can find it on there. And that's that. Okay. Housekeeping items. Back to identity and purpose. Okay. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship. I love that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. Did you know that you are God's workmanship that he had planned before he even created you? He said, this is your purpose. Now, whether you follow that purpose or not is up to you. But he had your purpose planned before you were even born. Good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, there's an attack on the identity of America right now. There's an attack on the identity of our youth right now. There's an attack on the identity and the purpose of people right now. And you say in your word that you have plans to prosper us, that you have plans to give us hope and a future in Jeremiah 29, 11. But Jesus, just as you have a mission for our lives, the enemy, he also has a mission for our lives. And his plan is to steal, his plan is to kill, and his plan is to destroy. And right now, the enemy's doing a really good job at it. But Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You win, Jesus. You win. When we read your word in the end, you win. And as believers, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you, Jesus, are Lord. Help us identify our purpose this morning. Give us that identity that can only come from you. Give us that purpose. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I was 13 years old. My father, I come from a past where my father was abusive. My brother's a methamphetamine addict. I was suicidal. We packed up our home in 24 hours. We feared for our lives. My dad was on a business trip. We threw some things in a Ryder truck, and I remember we were on the road moving from Arizona to Oklahoma. We were homeless for about six months, and I walked to the top of a Four-story parking garage. I had no purpose. I had no identity. My father would tell me things that like, "You're worthless. You're nobody." Young men and young women they look for three A's. In psychology, they teach you the three A's: the acceptance, the affirmation, and the attention. And those three A's, they look for them in the father figure nor- normally. Okay. When you don't find those three A's in the father figure, you will look for those acceptance, affirmation, and attention in the things of the world, whatever that might be. So I found myself at 13 years old with no acceptance, no affirmation, no attention, and no purpose, standing at the top of a four-story parking garage, ready to take a head-dive into the pavement. Because I didn't have purpose I didn't have identity because I was buying into this lie of kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy was selling me. And on that ledge that day, I, I met Christ. And I remember him speaking to my heart. And he said, Jason, if you get off this ledge, I'll make everything okay. Thankfully, I got off that ledge. I went to school. A young lady named Jenny Rutherford, she came up to me. Jenny, pretty girl. Not as pretty as my wife. Pretty girl. You like that save? (laughs) Yeah. So eighth grade, pretty girl looks at me and says, Jason, do you want to go to youth group with me? I literally looked behind me thinking she was talking to somebody else. Jason, do you want to go to youth group with me? I'm like, what? Youth group? I had no no idea what youth group was. We were Christers. We went to church on Christmas and Easter, you know. You you know those Christers. And so I said, youth group? What's youth group? She says, church. So I got all dressed up, going to youth group. I looked like an idiot, okay? Had my little vest on, and I was going to pick you up on my bike at 7, you know? (laughs) And Jenny invited me to church, and I remember a guy, his name was Eric Porter. He was in college. And um, I walk in, and he's just wearing a T-shirt and ripped up jeans, and I don't think he even had shoes on, looking like a real hippie, Okay he gave me the biggest hug and he said I'm so glad you're here you're welcomed, you're needed and you're loved and I'll never forget that feeling man tears welled up in my eyes, you know why? because I felt acceptance, affirmation and that attention that everybody longs for and that purpose, going man I I think I finally found out where I belong and I, f- I ended up Going to that youth group, and I um, was the only visitor there, and so I won the, the prize because I was the only visitor there. And it was, a, it was Carmen tickets. You guys remember Carmen? Yeah. A to J. Yeah. So I won Carmen tickets. Carmen tickets are free, by the way. I won them. <laughs> I thought I was, uh, yeah, right? So I ended up going back to this youth group. Why? Because I felt that acceptance, that attention, that affirmation. I felt purpose becoming up in my life. I used to have a stuttering problem. I'd walk, I'd look at the ground, had no self-esteem. But Christ, through this youth group, began to lift my head. He began to give me purpose. He began to give me identity. It wasn't before long I started making some friends within this youth group, and we found out all these friends that I had made, we were the goonies. We were. All these guys, man, they came from broken homes like I did. Their parents either were divorced. One of my good buddies, he's his, he lived on the, the north side of, of Tulsa, which was a very rough area. He was homeless at the age of 14, went from house to house. His, his um, sister was shot in a drive-by shooting. We were goonies, and our youth pastor accepted us as the goonies. God bless that man. Because we were a handful, okay? We didn't know Christianese and the church and all this stuff that came with it. And we had so much baggage, but we knew we belonged in this building. And every time those church doors were open, we were there. And you know that every time those church doors were open, he would put us to work. If you put a kid to work, man, he'll, he'll, man, I I cleaned out that bus barn that we had probably 50 million times. And he's like, clean it again. I cleaned it again. But every time I was in that church, man, I felt acceptance. I felt belonging. I felt purpose in my life. My friend Jody, who played the drums, my friend Josh, who played the bass, my friend Dwayne, who played the guitar. My friend, Orion, who sang. Now, I say that all very loosely, okay, Because not everybody that says they can play the drums can play the drums. We started a band. I didn't do anything in the band. Matter of fact, they said they kept me around because I made them laugh. And I was like, (laughs) I can do that. That's fun, okay? We needed a band name. We looked on a, (laughs) this is how we found our band name. I looked on a soda can. And I'd said carbonated. It's pretty spiritual, I know. Then I looked at a newspaper and it said society. And I said, Our name is carbonated society. Okay? And we were awful. You know you're awful when your mom is the only one that tells you you're good. I hate to destroy your hopes and dreams. Kids, but it's the truth, okay? If your mom's the only one saying, sweetheart, it's great, go for it. You're going to get in front of Simon Cowell, and he's going to say, you are awful. (laughs) I feel for those people on American Isle. I'm like, they need people in their lives to tell them they're awful at times, you know? But we were awful. And we would get in my friend Dwayne's garage, which was infested with spiders. I hate spiders. And in Oklahoma, we have fiddlebacks, which are brown recluse spiders, very poisonous. The times I remember about Carbonate Society, the times that were actually beneficial were we would pray for an hour before every practice. We had no idea what we were praying. We just, God, we just, you've accepted us. We love you. Give us purpose. Give us identity. You've accepted us. You've affirmed us. Give us that purpose. Give us that identity. Give us that calling. Because I noticed so many of my friends, they would graduate, and then they would leave, and they would go to community college. And nothing wrong with community college, but they would go to community college, and then after community college, they really didn't know what to do. And I didn't want that. I wanted purpose for my life because I knew God was calling me to something greater, and there's nothing wrong with you feeling like God's wanting you to do something great with your life. You need to have that feeling. If God brings clarity, you can be sure the enemy will come and bring confusion. Anytime God tries to bring clarity to your life, the enemy will attack you with confusion. He will attack you with depression. He will attack you with anxiety. He will attack you with these fears of you can't, there's, it's not possible, there's no way, you have a stuttering problem. I remember sitting in Dwayne's garage and the only thing that kept us awake for an hour to pray were the spiders. <laughs> you didn't want to get bit, so you just kept moving. Praise the Lord. As you're walking around spraying for stuff, man, it was. But I remember praying, and I'm like, God, I'm not talented like my friend Josh, who plays the, the bass. He was awful, but <laughs> and then you're like, this, he's talented, man. You know, but I'm not talented like this guy, or or you look at somebody else, I'm not talented like this person. And you automatically discount yourself, and the enemy brings that confusion upon you. And you become in this comparison game. Well, I'm not like this person. I'm not like that. I don't have the talents and the abilities of this person. And you begin to discount yourself. And I remember praying, and I said, God, what do you want me to do? (laughs) And all I heard him say was, speak. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Stage fright, stuttering problem. Abusive past. I hear pastors get up and they say, I'm a fifth generation Christian. And I'm like, oh, geez, I really don't belong here. <laughs> I'm a first generation Christian in my family, okay? Other than my, other than my mom. My mom, she, she was a powerhouse when it came to prayer. Prayed me through a lot. But when, the, when God tries to bring clarity to your life, you can be sure the enemy will attack you with confusion and doubt but that confusion and doubt is not from God. Genesis 1:27 says so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him male and female he created them. We are created in the image of God. That should just bless your socks off. And you know what the enemy's doing now to our children now more than ever? He's attacking their image. He's attacking their image because when he attacks their image, he attacks the image of God. And he confuses their image. He tells them that they're this or they're that or one day that they're a lizard. I'm not even joking when I say a month ago I spoke at a school and as I'm speaking I look on the front row and there's a a, a junior in high school dressed up like a cat. I'm not joking. Prince dead serious. It's like a thing now. I mean, this lady could work in Hollywood for the makeup she had on. She looked like a cat, okay? And she referred to herself as a cat and some of these schools are going as far as accommodating these these things by putting litter boxes in bathrooms. This is the world that I I work in. Okay? This is the world that we live in. We attack the image of God, and that's the enemy for you. What God created for good, the enemy's going to take, and he's going to flip, and he's going to attack that image, because if He attacks that image, he takes away your purpose, and then he takes away your power. And you have no purpose then. You have no power. You have no identity. We are made in the image of God. He created us. And that should bless every single one of us. When we don't know the purpose of something, we will always misuse it. And misuse always turns to abuse. Did you know that? When we don't know the purpose of something, we misuse it. Misuse always turns to abuse. I started, I, I, I like. The inventions of different things. Anybody a hairstylist in here? I can probably pick you out. Yeah, girl. Any? Okay. You know some scissors. Okay. Anybody else? Hairstylist? Okay. God bless scissors. I love scissors. What are they for? They're for cutting things, right? You cut paper, hair, hopefully not your sibling, whatever. But the person that gave these scissors purpose, his name is Robert Hinchleaf of Sheffield, real fancy sweater-wearing, tea-drinking guy, I guess. 1761, Robert Hinchleaf of Sheffield created scissors. He took two sharp pieces of metal, and he put them together, and he created these scissors, and he gave them purpose. Now what if you went to Olive Garden or your favorite restaurant and you saw people not eating with utensils, but they had scissors in their hands, and they were eating that spaghetti with those scissors, and you would walk right out. You'd be like, this is crazy. Well, I'm out of here, right? Why? Because they're not using the tool for its intended purpose, and when you misuse something, It turns to abuse. The only person that could give these scissors purpose was the creator, was Robert Hinchleaf of Sheffield in 1961. Any basketball fans here? Any basketball fans? Nice. Who's your team? Oh, my gosh. God bless you. Oh, man. I'm a Phoenix Suns guy. I'm originally from Arizona. Just pray for us, all right? We just You guys have so many championships. You don't need another. We just need one. All right? Basketball was created by a guy named James Naismith in 1891. He took two peach crates, and he cut the hole out of the bottom of the peach crates. And he put them up on a pole. And you shoot from here, you get two points. You shoot from back here, you get three points. There was no backboard even. And it evolved over time. Now you have people like LeBron James, OK, making over $38 million a year. Michael Jordan with his six championships. All because of James Naismith. But who gave this basketball its purpose? James Naismith, the creator. If I was to take you out to any baseball fans in here, if I was to take you out, you're going to play some baseball, and you're on the mound, and you're getting ready to hit, and I wind up with a basketball? and I throw this down home plate, you're leaving. (laughs) Because you're like, this guy is a lunatic. Why? Because I'm not using this basketball for its intended purpose. And when you misuse something, it always turns to abuse. When you don't know the purpose of children, you misuse it. You misuse them. And misuse turns to abuse. We don't know the purpose of marriage you misuse it, and misuse always turns to what? When you don't know the purpose of drugs, you misuse it, and misuse always turns to abuse. When you don't know the purpose of your life, you will misuse it, and misuse will always turn to abuse. There's students I work with, I I, At the end of my assembly, I finish my assemblies. I say, somebody loves you. Somebody cares about you. Today it's me. I love you. Some kids don't know how to take that. They'll come up and usually ask for a hug. Can I have a hug? Absolutely you can have a hug. They hear my story about where I came from, how I was suicidal, and how, man, if you can do this, maybe I can do it. And that's the whole purpose, right? Some of these kids, they have cut marks on their arms, and it's self harm and the whole psychology behind that is, is their whole life feels like it's spinning out of control. Their whole life, they feel like everything is just out of control, and this is the only pain they can control. I don't agree with it, but this is what they do. So they cut themselves. So you see scars all over their arms. i got pictures after pictures of these kids with their arms, and I look at them and I say, why do you do that? I remember one kid looking at me and said, "Jason, just hurts so bad. I just want the pain to stop." He didn't know the purpose of his life, so he was misusing it, and misuse will always turn to abuse. There's a purpose for everything. There's a purpose for all of us. Musical instruments. There's a purpose for musical instruments. First Chronicles twenty two 23.5. three five. 23, 5. 4,000 are to be gatekeepers. 4,000 are to be praised the Lord with musical instruments. I have provided for that purpose. Where's my shofar guy? God bless you. <laughs> this guy, he's like, you know that verse inside and out. Yes. Don't blow that on me. You'll freak me out. <laughs> he's looking for it. He's, I see it, yeah. Believe it or not, those things were blown right before battle. And then the Israelites would go into battle. The story about Alice O'Connor, I don't know if you've ever heard of Alice O'Connor. Better known by her pen name, Anne Rand. She was a Russian-American writer and philosopher. She is known for fiction and for developing a philosophical system she named Objectivism. There you go. Born and educated in Russia, she moved to the United States in 1926. She had a play that opened on Broadway in 1935. She's, one of her famous books she's known for is called The Fountainhead. Raised in a communist society, she says this quote, and I want you to hear this. She says, this is how you wreck a society. This is how you kill a society. You kill by laughter. Laughter. Laughter is an instrument of human joy. Learn to use it as a weapon of destruction. Turn it into a sneer. It's simple. Tell them to laugh at everything. Tell them that a sense of humor is an unlimited virtue. Don't let anything remain sacred in a man's soul. That's messed up. Don't let anything remain sacred in a man's soul, and his soul won't be sacred to him. She goes on to say, kill reverence and you have killed the hero in man. Wow. One doesn't reverence with a giggle. He'll obey and he'll set no limits to obedience. Anything goes and nothing is too serious. You know, sad thing, I've seen a lot of men the hero in them has died. Because everything in our world there is no reverence anymore. Don't cherish, you know, someone celebrating 50 years of marriage anymore, if they even last that long, marriage between man and wife, things that we used to cherish as society, things that God cherishes, things that are reverence to God, things that bring us our identity, that God brings us identity. The enemy has confused us, and he's now attacking our kids. And confusing them. My question for you this morning as we wrap up, worship team, you can come. Told you, 34 minutes. (laughs) Will you fight for the reverence and for the purpose and the identity of not only yourself, but the kids? Now, COVID has showed us a lot of fighting lately, okay? (laughs) I'm not talking about being some keyboard warrior, you know, typing away some angry message at somebody. You're not gonna win hearts and minds that way. But will you be a place of community for Goonie kids like myself who just needed that acceptance, that affirmation, that attention? who needed to be shown that there was a hero inside, that I could be a productive member of society, that I didn't have to grow up and be like my father and his father before him, that generational curses could be broken and I didn't have to live in poverty, that I could. That's why I introduced you to my family because I'm a walking miracle. That God blessed me with a beautiful family there's hope and I don't know where you sit in your life right now you might be going through a divorce you might be in a situation where your identity is being attacked there is no purpose you feel in your life you're at a dead end job 9 to 5 my God is here to give you life but not just life but life abundantly did you know that Life abundantly and the enemy's here gonna you know, he's gonna confuse you and he's gonna bring clouds of doubt and frustration and negativity Some of y'all need to cut some friends off in your life that are negative they're just they're just negative Nancys okay? They're just constantly spewing negativity over your life. And you need to just, you need to just shut that off. And start surrounding yourself with people that believe in you. That lift you up. That build you up. And they stop reminding you of your past. Did you know, your, your family, this is what's crazy. Your family loves to remind you. The enemy uses family to remind you of your past. Did you know that more than anything because you start getting out of that box you start climbing out of that box of poverty you start climbing out of that box of of abuse, you start climbing out of that box of who you used to be and your family, no, 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 let me put you back in that box because this is what's comfortable and some of you just need to break free from that box and those people that are trying to put you in there identity and purpose is everything. Who is your identity in? Is it in the solid rock, the firm foundation? Is it in Christ, Jesus? Or is it in the things of the world? Because all other things are sinking sand. All other things are sinking sand. God will use you once you find your purpose and once you find your identity. He'll use you To touch others. It's not just to give you identity and purpose so you can walk around and go, I got got identity and purpose. No. He uses you now to touch others. If you're just walking around with your identity and purpose, that's great. That's that's the first step now. But now you got to go use that identity and purpose to help others. Help where God says help. 2009, I was speaking in La Crosse, Wisconsin. There was about 4,000 kids there. And backstage, and I had like 10 minutes before I had to go on stage and speak. And this never happens to me. But I'm backstage, and all of a sudden, like, I, I feel God just tugging at my heart go outside. I want you to meet somebody, you know. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I got to be on stage in 10 minutes here and speak to 4,000 kids give me a, we'll do this afterwards, you know what I'm saying, like, come on, go outside, and I could just, I couldn't get off my spirit, so I was like, oh, geez, okay, we better do this, seven minutes now, I walk outside, I turn the corner, there's a kid named Michael, he's about 14, 15 years old, and he's taking a lighter, he's heating this lighter up, and then he's putting it on his arm, and you can literally hear skin sizzle. I sat right next to him, never looked at me, and he kept doing it. I said, "Michael, why are you doing that?" Michael, why are you doing that? He really didn't have have an answer for me, except, you know, I just it makes me feel, you know, I can feel something. And I said, Michael, I want to let you know something. I have to be up on stage in seven minutes to preach. But God loves you so much that he sent me out here to tell you how much he loves you. You know why? Because Jesus cares about the one. 4,000 people, he cares about those two. But he sent me after the one. And I said, Michael, Jesus loves you. And he looked at me for the first time, he stopped burning himself and tears run down his face, and he says, You know, Jason, before, he's like, I know you're the speaker, which I had no I didn't even know the guy was part of the convention because I know you're the speaker. I told God that if he really loved me, he would send you out here to tell me. <laughs> that you love me. I still get chills of that to this day, man. And that's our God, man. That's our God who's able to reach down to you, your spirit, and give you that identity, give you that purpose, so then you can go and help show someone else their identity and purpose in Christ. So then they can go. And find that person that needs that encouragement, acceptance, affirmation, and attention. So you can use your talents and abilities to do what you're doing for Christ. God, use me. God, use me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, use me. Show me identity, God. Give me my identity. The enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy God, but you have come to give life and life abundantly. You say, Jason, right now, I'm struggling with my identity. No one looking around. You just say, Jason, that's just me. I'm struggling with my identity. Just raise your hand. Raise it high. I see you, man. I see you, dude. I struggle with my identity. I see you. I see you, man. That's it. I'm struggling with my identity. Jason, I'm struggling with purpose right now for my life. What am I here for? If that's you, raise your hand. Raise it high. God, give me purpose. Give me purpose. It's hands up everywhere. Would you have the faith if you would have your hand raised? Would you have the faith just to stand to your feet right now if you raised your hand for one of those things? Just stand to your feet. I'm not here to embarrass you. but We're going to make a commitment. We're going to make a commitment. I need identity, I need my purpose. Because you're going to be unstoppable when God gives you that identity, that purpose, man. You're going to be unstoppable. I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Taking that step of faith. All right, now church, let's be the church. Back in biblical days, I just found this out, by the way. Back in biblical days, if you laid hands on somebody and prayed for them, you were committing yourself to that person to walk with them through their journey. Did you know that? It freaks me out. So we're going to be the church right now. But if you lay hands on somebody, you're committing to walk with them through their journey. Not just this one prayer. You're committing saying, I'm here for your sister. I'm here for your brother. I'm here. The man that told me this, he said he laid hands on a man had cancer, he, and, and he didn't have a ride to go get his chemotherapy. He's like, God, I guess I'm going to be his ride. He started taking him to go, to do chemo. Because in biblical days, that's what that whole, you're laying hands on someone, you're committing yourself to help. It's not just a one and done thing. So don't lay hands on anybody that you're not willing to say, hey, I'm willing to walk with you through this journey. But there's people that are standing right now. They need you, okay? So let's be the church. If you want to commit to help with purpose and identity for these individuals and what they're going through, can you find someone? Ladies, find a lady to pray for. A young man standing over here. Young lady, stand back to your feet. Come on, don't sit down. Grab this young lady if, if, if you can. Remember, you're committing to these people. You're committing to these people. To be God's hand extended. Purpose, identity. Jesus, we need you. Father God, you see your children in this room. You see where they're standing at, God. You see their need. I pray for purpose. I pray for identity. I pray, God, that you will help them be unstoppable for you. I come against confusion in Jesus' name. I come against depression in Jesus' name. I come against anxiety in Jesus' name. I come against poverty in Jesus' name. I come against the past of abuse in Jesus' name. And we ask for your purpose, Jesus. And we ask for your identity, God, to be instilled within us. So when the enemy tries to come and steal and kill and destroy, we know what your word says, God. We know that we are created in your image, God. And what the enemy tries to steal and take from us, we'll stand firm, Jesus. We'll stand firm. Don't let us be distracted. Don't let us be distracted. Let us stand firm. Meet the need right now. Purpose, identity. Purpose, identity in your life. Jesus, give him identity. Give him a voice to speak. Those that can't speak, let them speak. Holy Spirit's here to give you power. I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with his power. To fill you with his joy. To fill you with his love. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet real quick, please? We're going to close here with a song, and then Pastor Ken's going to come. But listen, guys, I just want to thank you for hearing me out today. And all you ladies, you powerful women, and your women's conference, what an amazing women's conference. Thank you for allowing us to come and do worship for you. You guys got a wonderful church here with a wonderful shepherd, wonderful people doing wonderful things, okay? So one last thing I want to leave you with. (laughs) After getting back from Israel, I can't read this. can't read this passage of Scripture without tearing up. Because I saw where Jesus healed the blind man. I saw where the woman with the issue of blood reached out, touched the hem of his garment. And did you know from the beginning when Jesus started his ministry, did you know the whole journey was to the cross? (laughs) Every step he took he was going towards Jerusalem, going towards the cross to sacrifice for us. This is what I want to leave you with. And this is something you're already doing because of your, your shepherd here. Matthew 25, 35-40. through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink with your church label on it. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? When do we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did to me. This is a church for the least of these, man. Great job. Great job. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.